0: My friend's making
1: me a kumquat bourbon cocktail when I get home. Okay, right. Hello and welcome to this episode 53 of Cultural Capital. I'm Andy Hazel. I'm Anders Furs.
0: And I'm Eloise Ross.
1: And in this episode, we're taking a close look at two film festivals. The Czech and Slovak Film Festival, which runs until September 26 at Acme, And the Australian Academy of Film, Television and Arts, or the Actor Film Festival, which has been screening at Cinema Nova and features a range of released and soon to be released Australian films. I'll be doing a blockbuster filibuster of the house with the clock on its walls, and we'll be sharing the Cultural Capital Film Diary. But first, here's Anders to set the
2: scene at CAFSA. So, 2018 marks the 6th annual Czech and Slovak Film Festival of Australia. This year's theme is spring, an important marker, uh, the organisers note, for several reasons. Not the least as it acknowledges the 50th anniversary of the momentous events of the Prague Spring. So this festival, it's been running for six years. It has a range of um, sections of its really, I think, interesting program. There's contemporary films. There's retrospectives, there's a Hungarian film sidebar as well. Um, there's also an art exhibition uh, running alongside the festival. Um, somewhat uniquely for a festival of this kind in Australia, the contemporary films in the program are in a competition that is adjudicated by a panel of critics. Eloise, you're on the jury this year.
0: I am on the jury this year. I think this is the third year that the festival has, has, has had the panel um cerise was cerise howard the artistic director was saying earlier that it's the third year and it's really exciting to be on i've never been asked to be on a jury before this Hmm. is fantastic
2: yeah great so um we won't really expect you to say too much in terms of the contemporary films because you're yet to adjudicate with your fellow jurors is that correct
0: i am yes we my fellow jurors Zach Hepburn and Stuart Richards, are uh, due to announce a decision on closing night, which is this coming Saturday, September 22nd. Um, So until then, I'll have to keep mum about it. But we'll have plenty else to discuss. As you said, there's heaps going on at this festival.
2: Absolutely. And not the least of which being the amazing retrospective um, film screening that was held for free at the Melbourne Town Hall of the 1933 film Ecstasy, starring... Hedy Lamarr, pre, pre-Hollywood pre uh, Hedy Lamarr. It lays claim to many firsts, um, some, as uh, Cerise Howard notes, um, highly sensational firsts at the time, um, including the fact that it's sort of spoken about as one of, if not the first non-pornographic film to feature a woman uh, having an orgasm, which is very interesting. This was 1933? 1933. 1933 film, yes. Whoa. Um, and there's several... It was Europe, Pandy. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Hayes exactly. was not. <laughs> no, although Hayes was in. See, this is interesting because this film had a series of different endings and was cut for different territories. Right. So we, the American version of the film, uh, had to go through lots of cuts. Whereas the version we saw was the Czech version, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes,
0: that's yes. correct. We did see the Czech version, which had you know it's it's full ending, um, complete with this. Very long, although very enjoyable, montage about the enthusiastic worker, the proletariat being kind of of propaganda, you know, made me feel like I wanted to go and pick up a a pick and go and dig some (laughs) holes or something. I'm feeling very inspired. But all of these brilliant shots, you know, that typical propaganda kind of angle, the camera tilted upwards on this muscular body of these men Typically men, but you know there are also women who are working in the fields, doing you know kind of less or well, hands-on but less physically aggressive labour, I suppose. And
2: children should be added. <gasps> there
0: were children. There were children quite a lot throughout this film. It sounds sure. So bizarre. there was so this weird like pre-Soviet yes, sort of like epilogue kind um, of yeah <laughs> moment that kind of detached from the whole narrative, but I think essential to its. Of ecstasy,
1: really. Can you, you, you backtrack and just it. tell us what this film's about?
0: This film is about a woman who, in the opening scene, she's just married a man. So the woman is played by Hedy Lamar, who was credited in this film as Hedy uh, Kaislerova. Her original name was Hedwig Kaisler. She's Austrian and her name was changed. The documentary Bombshell, which came out last year, says that the Hollywood kind of wanted, thought that they would give her the poetic name of the sea. So they called her Lamar. Right. Um, well. Anyway, because she had come from, you know, over waters waters, (laughs) um, amongst other things. But anyway, so she's just been married and it's kind of a first night scene. So her husband carries her over the threshold but he's very disinterested and he kind of reads the paper and he's like this old man who he's, yeah. yeah he's just so she's there and she's expectant and he just disses her and looks kind of in the other direction and it's, i mean the the audience so the the town hall was packed
2: absolutely packed
0: a lot of people there and i think a lot of cuz it had a live score performed by this terrific Czech organ player um Pavel Kahut who had come out especially well i say especially for this performance but it, he he noted it was his 13th or something, appearance in Australia, because um, <laughs> he's quite accomplished performer. Yeah. Anyway, so very quickly it becomes this story where she, she eventually leaves her husband and then goes back to her father on this farm, and then she you know, kind of gives in to her passions with a very attractive,
2: very hunky,
0: very, very hunky man.
2: Sort of labourer, laborer. nearby. Um, yeah. So, who meets her in hilarious yeah. fashion when she because she she goes swimming naked and then her horse bolts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: you did say that this was a you know a, f- a notable film for its first of being the first non-pornographic film to feature a female orgasm. But I knew about this film and I don't know in what context, but it must have been while I was an undergrad at university. I learnt about it because I was kind of learning about. Um, censorship, American censorship, and that this was a film that had a specific skinny-dipping scene that caused quite a scandal in America and that there were several other skinny-dipping scenes. I think that there were a few others in America at the time actually produced in Hollywood that had somewhat more, I guess, coquettish skinny-dipping scenes, but this was particularly, I don't know, outrageous, you might say. Anyway, so that's how I kind of knew this film for a long time before I finally saw it. So yeah. Anyway, she yeah. So yeah, she
2: begins this romance with um, this younger sort of labourer, and then you know, the events of the film transpire that this man sort of uh, meets the uh, ex-husband, and you know, drama ensues, and um, a nice little epilogue that's um, a sort of yeah, this celebration of the working class as well. So right, okay. that as well. So yeah, very interesting film. It was played. With uh, no sound, I'm I'm not certain that it is a silent film. Do okay, how is it anything? possible to see this film now?
0: It must be available on DVD or okay. at least VHS. But we were very lucky to see it in the Melbourne Town Hall with the grand organ. It, what do you What does it say? Uh, what does the internet tell us?
2: The internet tells me that it is a sound film, okay. um, but there is barely any dialogue really in the film i mean really not much
0: there's barely any dialogue and there were a few sound effects that had been i think pre-recorded or were pro- provided by the organ in the performance yeah. that we saw yesterday so there was still a little you know attention to that sound sound design detail
2: um yeah so it was just wonderful and of course lamar is uh, also famous for Inventing Wi-Fi practically, yes, like uh, yeah. helping to invent that technology. So I mean, she she's a remarkable figure, and um, her screen presence was like she was so engaging. Mm. Um, it was a wonderful film. It was wonderful. So and it was great that it was free too, just mm. down at the town hall.
0: It was free. Yeah, every yeah. now and again, Casper provides these screenings that are, I guess, co-presented. I mean, the, in this case, it was co-presented with. I think that the Czech Embassy, but also the City of Melbourne, who had provided the the town hall, obviously, and that it was a free event to attend. I guess the City of Melbourne likes to display its grand organ and to have events held there and to welcome people into the city. So that was really wonderful. Um, But the other thing that they have that are presented screenings free is the Hungarian sidebar, which as we talk about in our interview with Cerise is a free kind of sidebar. Once you buy a ticket to another session, you can head along to any of these Hungarian films um, and, you know, have that. And sometimes, I mean, I know this from programming, but sometimes embassies will provide cinematechs or or film screening groups with prints free of charge um, because they're, they're held by the embassy Um, And because they're put on specifically to kind of promote that culture and that history. Right, so okay. that might be why Yeah,
2: so I, I'm very excited to check out uh, Budapest Mar Which is screening, yet courtesy of the Hungarian National Film Fund In partnership with the Hungarian Consulate So these Hungarian films, uh, they were, were introduced as a feature of the program last year Cerise says, in tandem with that um, festival's theme of Neighbours Should we listen to more of Cerise telling us about uh, telling us more about Casper?
0: Let's do that. But just before we cut to our interview with Cerise, just a quick shout out to the Melbourne Cinematheque and Casper's co-programming. So this is, as you said, Anders, their sixth year and the Melbourne Cinematheque has been co-presenting with Casper for each of those six years, uh, which is very exciting and it's really wonderful to be part of the festival and to, you know, welcome this into Melbourne. Anyway, um, as I said in our last episode, it's Vera Hitlova, uh, retrospective this year, so mm,
2: yes. And Eloise, um, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, but what? Um, how important are mm. these partnerships to film culture? These sort of networks that pop up between different film festivals and institutions.
0: Yeah, it's a really great question. It's a really exciting thing to be a part of and to kind of. Um, partner with different organisations in the city because it just gives our audience a chance to see other festivals and in that same way it gives other audiences who might not be aware of the Cinematheque or might not be uh, particular fans of film more broadly who are perhaps just part of a diasporic community to in fact be introduced to other programs and other things. And so in terms of sharing audiences, it's really important But also in terms of just being part of the fabric of a city is is really key um, and is a really exciting thing to to do so to program together in opportunities like these is I think a a wonderful thing to do.
2: Before we begin Cerise um, you've been going now for
3: is it six years with this festival? That's right this is the sixth.
2: Okay and why did you originally start it? all those years ago?
3: Well I was one of a clutch of people who thought this was a good idea at the very outset, but I don't think any one of us would have started it without the others, because A, you need uh, a handful of people to constitute an incorporated association to become a legitimate entity doing business here in Victoria anyway, but equally just one person with an idea is simply someone who thinks, yeah, it'd be good if we did that, but won't actually do it, Mm -hmm. but two or three people who egg each other on and then bring in another couple of people into the fold and suddenly what uh, seemed like a good idea actually becomes something that will happen and so myself i developed an affinity for the czech and slovak film culture and the culture more broadly and then um, uh, as had a couple of other people that i knew and we thought we needed actual czechs actual slovaks to give this whole thing legitimacy and we instantly sought out help having got this first grouping of five people sought out help from the consulate of the czech republic in sydney we were fortunate in that the Czech Symphony Orchestra were in town and that brought diplomats galore to Hamer Hall one evening and we got to meet them all through a prominent member of the community and suddenly networks expand and enthusiasms are shared and next thing you know you've actually got support at the near to the top level and uh, things start happening. Well, Maybe good too fortune. quickly even. Well good fortune, yes. But, but also then, hard work, actually. Yes, suppose, a lot of scrambling. Mm. Yeah.
0: And was there a gap in Melbourne specifically or in Australia, indeed?
3: Of, oh. that, that needed to be filled yes, yes there was I mean this wasn't the only gap I think a lot of uh, Eastern Europe Western Asian cinema is not mm-hmm. brilliantly represented here um, I travel to that part of the world with some regularity and I have uh, some awareness of the calibre of films that don't make it here through no fault of their own mm-hmm. or of their, own, of their makers uh, there, are, there, there will always be gaps I should think um, some are more gaping than others.
0: I'm really interested, and we will come back to the Czech and Slovak content of the festival, but this Hungarian sidebar, which I mm. think is in its second year, mm-hmm. you began it last year with Neighbours. But the that was the Neighbours, theme. Yeah. Um, and so do you consider that, that we need more Hungarian cinema here as well? Yes. Why, why does it get to sit alongside Czech and Slovak
3: uh, cinema? W- well, it, it does because, yes, in that first year it made sense with our theme of neighbors it was a neighborly thing to do to having been approached mm-hmm. by the hungarian consulate in melbourne mm-hmm. with this particular retrospective they wanted to honor the uh, the centenary of the birth of zoltan fabry a very significant director we thought we could accommodate that as a, a little bonus for our regulars who could then see one of those films for free significant films too they're all films that could well have played at MIF, let's say, or Mm -hmm. any other major festival, but didn't. And it's our pleasure to be able to bring them here and and offer them as a bonus to our regular patrons and also establish a tradition of the Czechs, the Slovaks and the Hungarians working together. Um, I think it has to be said, though, that into a third year you can't maintain something like that and have these people sort of the the guests. I mean, I think the festival has to expand to have them all on an equal footing and possibly expand beyond that as well Mm. because there's just a whole sustainability issue with something as niche as this festival anyway when everyone involved is a volunteer and it's a passion project but it's also totally consuming and exhausting for all concerned.
0: Yeah, I Mm. bet. I bet. I see how hard you guys work, not only during the festival but all year round.
3: Yeah. Yeah. January's a bit quiet.
0: (laughs) Well, that's exciting. I look forward to seeing next year.
2: Uh, you mentioned that the Hungarian um, consulate brought this idea to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious in the response you've found from these um, sort of cultural organisations. It seems to be very positive. They're partnering with you every year.
3: Yeah. Um, generally, they're very supportive. Um, occasionally, they even have a certain amount of initiative as well. Like they, they have, in that case, the Hungarians had this particular director they wished to celebrate last year. Uh, With our first year when when we started I had this idea knowing that there was a significant anniversary for Yurži Trinko, the great Czech animator and when I mentioned that to the then Czech consul she was immediately excited because she knew there was an exhibition traveling around celebrating his career and that we could bring that here through the consulate and they would foot some of the bill and help give us some legitimacy. And uh, this, this continues with the uh, uh, embassies and ministries of foreign affairs and culture in the Czech and Slovak republics. We apply for funding through them, but we also get support through their agencies. So the Czech Film Center uh, and the National Film Archive in Prague or the Slovak Film Institute in Bratislava are all state bodies and they're all connected with those ministries. And then there are relationships here with the embassies and consulates here. And, Everyone's keen to advance their culture, mm-hmm. even on so far away here. Yeah. I mean, initially they were a bit surprised. Some yep. people when, when I went, just knocked on some doors over there and said, Hi, hey, like to show your films in Melbourne. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. They're generally, um, pretty receptive to that idea.
0: Yeah, and the mm. response is great. You know, I mean, we, it, it's not only the diasporic Czech and Slovak community here who come, but I'm sure that they are very responsive.
3: Yeah, they, they form about... 35 to 40% of the audience Mm -hmm. for most general admission sessions. I mean, we had an exceptional event yesterday in the Melbourne Town Hall where we had uh, Pavel Koholt, a great Czech organist, provide a live score to the Hedy Lamarr film uh, Ecstasy from 1933, the film that really made her a star. And... I think Czechs and Slovaks would have well and truly been in the minority there because there were a lot of organ aficionati there. It seemed that there
0: were, Yeah, there. I was there. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. there were a lot of, um, a lot of different uh, demographics representing there. It wasn't our, the usual crowd that comes to ACME to see our films here, mm. which is probably just as well because they would not fit in the cinema. <laughs> there are very different capacities in those venues. I wish they'd try, <laughs> especially as the, the events here at ACME people have to pay to access, except Mm. for the little arrangements we make with, um, Mm. say, a a cast scheme, our little program Mm. for members, sort of a quasi-membership scheme, or the Hungarian bonus screenings here.
0: So what's your favourite part of Mm. the festival programming? I mean, is it the the modern films, the contemporary films, or do you kind of love the retrospectives, or is it mean, trying to ask you to pick a favourite baby
3: somewhere? I like, especially, well, we had a theme every year, so I, I, the, the more I can find films, new or old, to speak to that theme and speak to each other, the happier I am.
0: I thought it was wonderful that spring yes. was such a strong theme in ecstasy yeah. yesterday that yes. seemed as though it was had just presented itself as a great opportunity to screen an, an old film yeah. with Pavel Kahut, yeah. but... Again, tied into the your theme. So of the these experiment. themes are
2: not arbitrarily chosen. No, like process no process that goes into that.
3: There is there's yeah. some thought, and, and for this year, it pretty well had to be spring, given that this is 50 years since an extremely significant event uh, in Czechoslovakia in 1968, Prague Spring, a time of Reform and uh, easing of, of uh, what had been quite an oppressive regime. Socialism with a human face, Alexander Dubček had pitched <laughs> it as, and generally things were getting to be a bit summer of lovish in, in the big cities mm-hmm. in, in Czechoslovakia, and then the Warsaw Pact troops mm-hmm. invaded and occupied the country and things got a little grimmer, and we had to acknowledge that. But then we also thought we're a springtime festival and there are all manner of other ways we could play with that term to find significance. So tonight, for example, we're talking just before a screening of a film celebrating the Karavivari International Film Festival. which is uh, the biggest film festival in that part of the world and that's in a spa town where the spring water is famous and celebrated mm. and I'm even clutching a bottle of it at the moment because we're about to give some of that away to people who come to this session.
0: It's spring water from Colovia yeah. yeah, that's right that's and cool. it's also
3: that spring water goes into Bekorovka, um, where every year we make cocktails out of that delicious potent liquor and mm. serve them to our closing night patrons, <laughs> and they become quite merry, usually, and healthier. It's a nice aperitif but also a very effective digestive. Good to know. Good
2: to know. In terms of contemporary films, strand you have a feature competition, which not um, many film festivals in Australia have. Why was that an important thing for CASFA?
3: It seemed like a really good idea. It's not that we can offer a valuable prize or necessarily even one that's all that prestigious, though the, the people who've received it in the two previous years have been very grateful and you know, actually pretty chuffed to have some recognition. But it does shine a bit more light on on the films. It brings film critics directly involved, it brings them to be directly involved in the festival, which is a bit exciting for everybody. I think for, for the critics who there aren't a lot of juries here juries are a given at festivals around let's say Europe mm-hmm. um, and it's part of a critic's job to be on these from time to time get on them and, and meet other critics and networks expand and people get to enjoy a certain s- slice of the culture that isn't that common here and I think it's a really healthy thing for people to engage in here to um, meet with like-minded or not so like-minded mm-hmm. peers and Discuss the merits of a film, and and then ultimately pick a winner and issue a statement to back up uh, the decision. And I think it's it's just it's it's strategic on a few levels. I mean, I've got feet in so many camps around here. So I'm a, a, a member of the Australian Film Critics Association myself. And you are? Yes, are you, I am. Yes. yes, I am. And and I've used that as leverage to get on juries overseas, representing for Presky. AFCA, the mm. Critics Association, is a chapter of that international organisation that has juries at major festivals all around the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been something I've really enjoyed doing before, and you meet all sorts of people, and networks expand, and you tend to find that the world just opens up a bit. So I thought it would be nice to have a little bit of that in miniature here. But it also just helps promote the films. Critics... These days, are very active on social media. They tend to get involved and spread the word. Hey, I'm on a jury. There are some good films. It just helps. Yeah, um, it's an
0: exciting thing to be a part of. Yeah, I think I it's good say. for the
3: critics, and it's good for the festival. It's good for the film culture. Mm-hmm. And there's a little prize, and the and the filmmakers are happy yeah. about that as well. So yeah, it's good all around.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Mm. Well, we might um, let you get to your film introduction. You are introducing Film Spa. Spa. It mm. is called. Yeah. Mm. Mm, a nice little
2: insight
3: into color vivere. Yeah, yeah, and spring. Yeah, it's a summertime festival over there, but those springs are eternal. <laughs> or are they? Will climate change snuff them at some point? Who knows? I hope not.
2: For so people who are listening who might want to come along and see something, do they have any many opportunities uh, this week? When do uh, things wrap up? When does this go to
3: air? hopefully tomorrow probably or Wednesday. tomorrow wednesday yeah yes they do this runs until saturday the 22nd a closing night with the fireman's ball great uh, film milos formans yeah digitally restored by the national film archive in prague but then there's still one more wednesday of uh co-presentation with the melbourne Cinematheque of the extraordinary films of the great pieta probably my favourite filmmaker of the entire new wave, which says something, because that was an enormously overachieving movement in film. Mm. But she was extraordinary.
0: Well, that's very exciting. Cool. Cerise Howard, thank you so much for your time.
3: Eloise Ross, Anders first, thank you for yours.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And good luck tonight. Thank you. And that was Cerise Howard. Anders and I had a quick chat to her before she had to run off to a session at CASFA. So hope you get along to some sessions at CASFA in Melbourne this week if we've got any listeners in Canberra then the festival is also heading to Canberra in October so make sure you check out their website for details
1: yeah are there any I, I'm not asking for reviews but are there any t- titles that we should look out for
0: Anders uh,
2: Eloise uh, <laughs> 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 um, yes uh, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to say anything okay so um, I would look out for Domestique, the Czech film about a cyclist on the edge, I think, a sort of minimalist chamber drama of ratcheting intensity. It played in the main competition at the Karlovy Vary Film oh, Festival, yeah. which is a festival uh, that has very sort of close links, actually, with mm. Um And that's a very old festival. Um, and apparently the most beautifully situated festival in the world. And one fun feature of this year's festival has been they've been showing these hilarious... Uh, one-minute sort of ads for the festival uh, that play. Um, so they're screening these before every film and they, they're they sort of like these humorous... Um Films that sort of take the piss out of festival culture, I guess, with real noted filmmakers and directors, oh, cool. um, both from the region and from Hollywood, um, sort of playing roles in them. So they're quite a funny, irreverent um, element of the programme. So, yeah, domestic. And then the closing night film I'm very excited to see is Milos Foreman's The Fireman's Ball. Oh, great. In a new restoration, um, courtesy of the National Film Archive in Prague. And Foreman is a very. is. Foremost filmmaker, and Mm. he passed away only just recently, didn't he? Just this
0: year. Yeah, I shed a little tear when I read the news that he passed away. He's a fantastic filmmaker, you know, worked in the Czech Republic and also moved to America famously and did a lot there. So Mm. uh, it's a really terrific film, The Fireman's Ball. I do love it.
1: Which brings us to this episode's Cultural Capital Film Diary. The Palestinian Film Festival is running from October 4th till 7th at Cinema Nova. Highlights include Anne-Marie Jacque's family drama Wahib, The Wedding Invitation, in which a father and his estranged son come together to hand-deliver his daughter's wedding invitations to each guest as per local Palestinian custom, and the documentary The Man Who Stole Banksy. Also at Acne is the films of Lucretia Martel.
0: Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes, Lucretia Martel
1: <laughs> Highlighting the work of the Argentine director um, This uh, includes Zama, which screened at MIF And was one of the Cultural Capital's highlights
2: Yes, I'm keen to see that
0: Oh, you didn't see it? No, so this
2: is a perfect opportunity. I have my free ACME membership ticket that I still haven't used so, oh, yeah, so it, it on that. Well, you
0: should use that on one And then you should see everything else in the season Well, I will
2: Such
1: as The Holy Girl and The Headless Woman
0: Great.
1: I've only ever heard good things about. Um, over at Astor, there's double bills of plenty. On the twenty second of September, you can catch two Jordan Peele productions: Get Out and Black Klansman. There's a double of Elvis, and with Elvis, that's the way it is. And Viva Las Vegas on the twenty eighth, and oh sorry, on the twenty sixth. And on the twenty eighth. Can we just call
0: that hashtag Viva Yas Vegas?
1: Can we? I don't know. Sure, I give you permission. Oh, let's all I, go I, along. Has Elvis <laughs> been uncancelled? <laughs> has Elvis been?
0: <laughs> Why was he he canceled?
1: <laughs> Being a spectacular racist.
0: No, Elvis is great.
1: Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just wear God I just listened to Chuck D too much when I was young <laughs> and he was not a fan. Um, sorry. <clears throat> and on the twenty eighth, two of the funniest New Zealand films of recent years are playing The Breaker Uppers and The Hunt for the Wilder People.
2: Yes. Now, the Breaker Uppers is screening in the Actor AFI co- Film Festival. Is it?
1: No, it's New okay. Zealand. But um, I wish sorry it was because the uh, segue didn't work. No, but
0: you know who's racist? <laughs> and is first. I didn't realize
2: they—they're not all Australian movies,
1: are they? Mm, are they? Yeah. In this festival. Well, this is a weird thing. This is a, there's a very funny weird line here. Right. Okay, it's like, okay. where does the money come from? Where does the money come? from? Where yeah. do the visual effects get done? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. And right. often
0: that is Australia, and there is a strong link between. You Zealand and Australia. Yeah,
1: so like yesterday, um, in my role as host of at the Actor Film Festival, along with Clem Basto, shout out to Clan Basto, um, I watched the Lego Ninjago movie, which I was. Surprised to see, but then Animal Logic are credited right up front in the credits. Of
2: course. And I'm like, Animal oh. Logic are great. Yeah. yeah Being an Australian uh, animation company. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So, okay, so um, let's just backtrack slightly. What is this uh, Actor Festival? Well,
1: Actor is the, it used to be called the AFI, Australian Film Institute, but then that seemed to get a bit old in terminology, so now it's called the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts or actor, because there's all sorts of stuff that they're rewarding. This year is the first year they have, they've got a best indie film category, which is really good because the last few years it's gone to... like l-
0: indie has so many categories and subcategories.
1: Well, it's, it's a fairly small pool of films. And so a lot of the... Like last year, Lion won almost everything, which was a shame because a lot of other stuff got shut out. And this is the actor awards, which sort of people... Um,
2: you might know the acted- Glibly would say are the Australian version of the Exactly.
1: Film. So oh, yeah. they've definitely been marketing themselves as such in the last few years. Yeah. Um, And so the only time anyone will really hear about them is the day after the awards are announced. I
0: remember in previous years, like, not being able to... It just kind of... They had a funny presence whereby, as you mentioned with Lion, it seemed that if a film did well one year and if a film was successful um, in terms of box office, it kind of swept the awards. Yeah. And so one film could win... I don't know upwards of 10 awards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that it kind of would then shut out any other any other films. And so in terms of getting attention that that was kind of like a tricky scenario. Yeah, Do
2: they need a best achievement in popular films? (laughs) Well, it's (laughs) nice that they've kind of gone the
1: other direction and tried to go, because I was talking to other members and they were like, yeah, it is a bit of a bummer because almost everyone who wins from a film like Lion is going to be accepting via video link because they're probably in America doing stuff, which means the vibe at the the award ceremony isn't that great. Mm. Yeah, And so there is this kind of push. It's hard. It is difficult because even if, because everyone who's a member of ACTOR will have seen Lion, but not everyone will have seen something little like Just Between Us, for example, or like a tiny micro-budget film like watch the sunset and even if everybody who saw, saw that film votes for it it's still not going to touch the sides of the number of people voting for Lion. so it is a difficult position to be in just because the voting pool is quite small
0: are you a voter andy or are you just the host
1: of the? Um, every yeah i'm a voter as well like every member is a is a voter so. Okay. so
2: actor runs these awards that they're sort of very most probably well known for but then they've also got this film this festival, festival
1: yes yeah, so it's a traveling yep. film festival so at the moment it's it's happening um in a cinema in uh, cinema nova and it's also happening simultaneously with friend of the podcast blake Howard, up in, who's they've got the host duties up in Sydney.
0: Just a, 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 an aside, if we say friend of the podcast, Blake Howard, because he does listen and is so enthusiastic about our podcast, which is mm. great. But we also listen to his, which is one heat minute. We also in, turned up the last as well. like, fortnight. <laughs> the three of <laughs> us on. each appeared <laughs> in an episode discussing a minute of Michael Mann's heat. Um, so please, if you're a listener to Cultural Capital, then please tune in to Blake Howard's One Heat Minute. It's really a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this, this is becoming
1: a regular segment. Like last week, it was rereaders. This
2: week, it's <laughs> yeah, One Heat yeah, Minute. Yeah. yeah. Shout out. Shout Look, out to sharing, one sharing, sharing the love. love yeah.
0: You know, acknowledging our cultural peers. And it is a great that concept That we could not exist yeah, without. It's
1: beautiful to see some cross-pollination. Pollination. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, I shouldn't have gone there, it's uh, uh, Anyway. Um, um, sorry, yeah. back to actors. <laughs> so, um, opening night film was uh, West of Sunshine, which did got some, a fair bit of attention at MIFF, and deservedly so. It's got a great sort of um, real-time tension to it. It's very pithy 80-something minutes, um, and it really earns them. It doesn't feel overlong um, either. It's got a really good drive to it, and it, I think it's going to do quite well. It's certainly got this sort of artful way of looking at suburban Melbourne, which felt very fresh.
0: I'm very excited right. to see it. Mm, I haven't yeah. yet. Is it going to get a release, Andy? I mean, this as far is, as I know, yes. You're, you're kind of you've got your feelers out at the festival, and you will know about this.
1: Yeah, well, it's got more. It's only got more attention than most mm. of the other titles mm. in consideration.
0: Great, great. I mean, it's got a great title, so I think you know. Often, you can just go from there. Good mm. selling point.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's great. Um, also, it's good that you mentioned the Breaker Uppers as a segue because one of my favorite films of the festival so far is a film about a female friendship called Just Between Us which was uh, directed by Christopher Kay and uh, stars D- Diana Ortuso and Joanne Ewan and they're like two friends who've worked together for a long time this was like a, a labour of love between like uh, all three I think and they wrote in it, starred in it it's essentially about uh, a girl who goes to s- uh, spread her sister's ashes um, at this a lighthouse up near Byron Bay and they live in Adelaide and the girl's ghost turns up all the way through in like this sort of real life um, as this real life character and it's really strange because it's this beautiful sort of female friendship. And Australia has a great history in doing movies about female friendships, which are always overlooked, I think, when it comes to a funding rounds. And this is something that really kind of struck me. It was like, why am I saying these particular stories and told in this particular way in 2018? And so this was a real stand-up because it just kind of foregrounded this friendship. It, had, it was kind of funny and quirky and it was very kind of gentle. The comedy wasn't laugh out loud, but it was really sweet. And it kind of really crept up on you. These are the sort of people you'd love spending time with. Um, And, you know, it's basically a road trip from Adelaide to Byron Mm. but via um, Melbourne and Sydney.
3: Han, it's really important that you listen to me. I'm here. Why are you here? You're dead. I need your help. This is it, her unfinished
1: business. I think B wants us to take Bluey and finish her trip. I don't think I can do it by
2: myself, Trixie. I've got snacks. Where are you going? We're following the map, remember?
1: And the reason I think it really stood out is because so many other films are super macho, a lot about bikers or sub-underbelly sort of crime culture, and there was just this total litany of violence against women. And it really kind of confused me in 2018 that we've got this big push from the media against domestic violence, and more than ever, it's in the headlines. That's and there's so many movies in which women are just brutally, brutally killed and pointlessly like mm. victims of male aggression. Mm. And it just kind of it got a bit relentless. Like, I guess I've seen, what, 15 of the 20-something films, and it was just over and over again. I'm just like, why are we back here? It's just mm, flummoxing. Interesting. Because even if there are some really great acting, there are some great cinematography, even a tiny little film like Survive or Die, which is a movie about um, a refugee boat that arrives in northern Australia and then they gradually die as they move across the country and try and find home.
0: Survive um, or Die What survival a brutal It's it it
1: brutal yeah and it, but oh, Survive it, a, or Die Survive or Die Yeah right. but it's a really tiny budget It's done mostly with a drone and a GoPro From what I can tell That has a fairly interesting story It's got a very yeah. noble intention But yeah. even that had this big arc of patriarchy All the way through it Where yeah. this girl is trying to survive But only through the power of her father Memories of her father and all sorts mm. of stuff So I don't know I just felt like there's a lot of room To, to, to get, take this body of talent And just give them better stories mm. And fund better stories I guess yeah, but having said that, there are still a lot of really great standouts. I think um, Lost Gully Road, I think, was another one. that I really I'm loved.
0: so keen to see that. Yeah, I've heard so many good things about it, and it has had a couple of screenings. It screened at did it screen at Monsterfest or uh, yeah, it's it's, something? It, it had a like this short run at Cinema Nova. Year. Yeah, and I, it screened at the leader a few times.
1: No, especially the writer-director Donna McRae, she introduced the film there and yeah. she said she was really impressed with how many people had come to see it, even though it was a tough time of year, oh, great. which is really yep. good. Oh,
0: yeah, cool. now I feel bad. N- well, Sorry, it's also Donna. like
1: another thing that's <laughs> stood out from watching all the, so many films at actor is that so many of them get by with an Airbnb and a drone like you can just do so much with that (laughs) and lost gully road is like i don't know if it was an airbnb but it's basically set entirely in a house in gippsland yeah and it's just so masterfully lit and it's so it builds attention really beautifully right it's essentially just one woman in a house i guess that
0: just boils down to like the power of the script right if you've got a good script yeah you can do anything yeah yeah it can just be like bare bones filmmaking if your script is set to tell a good
1: story, yeah, yeah, and I mean, it, and and you know, it's a haunted house movie. It's a, you know, it's difficult to do My something favorite. new in, ho- in horror, but I just loved the masterfulness. Mm. There was long takes, you know. Donna was introducing the film and warning everybody that she likes Bellatar, likes Tarkovsky, likes these sorts of moody things. But it was just built really nicely, yeah. and it didn't take safe, safe, t- make safe moves, you know, which so many of these other ones did, where. The films will open with "You better fucking do what I told you" and just stay at that level the entire time. Yes. Whereas there's no, there's just dynamics. There's no dynamics at all. Yeah. Whereas there's like really good dynamics in something like Lost Gully Road, and even something like Just Between Us. It was another standout. There was uh, a yeah, a lot of motorbikes, a lot of fisticuffs. cuffs. Um, there's the closing night movie is Boy Erased, which um, has comes with quite a lot of hype around it, and features Australians Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman, and director Joel Edgerton. So there's another few other American and choice movies. Of Anne. And Troye Sivan. And Troye Sivan, sorry, of course, choice of Sivan. How could I not?
2: mention An ancient jury. Uh Have you seen it? No, no nobody's seen it. It's no one, one of the
1: films okay. you can't see, along with Ladies in Black, which I would really like to see, but I haven't been able to yet. Mm. So this is why I wasn't at CAFSA.
0: Okay, great. Right. <laughs> well, I guess you're allowed... As long as you're supporting cinema one way or another, then mm. we don't mind and we <laughs> won't tell you off. This is a general message to our listeners and not just to Andy Hazel sitting across yes. the table from me. Um, support cinema, everyone.
2: Yes, that's true. I mean, it really is unbelievable the amount of opportunities that are in Melbourne to do that. Like, mm. it's just there's stuff going on all the time. Yes
0: I know And this Friday Acme is screening Carl Theodore Dreyer's Vampire Oh really? That's um, brilliant From
2: 1932
0: score. Yeah. With a live score By Kiara Kickdrum Who is a composer Who composed the score For All These Creatures Andy Hazel
1: mm, That was a very good score
0: yeah well that was her it's and i'm really yeah. excited um about this screening so you know so much to do in yeah. town
1: no i think charles did give her a shout out on when we inter- during the interview about how yeah. important that score was great Great. And how she was worked relentlessly at it. He said there were hundreds of versions of it that yeah. she'd made. Yeah. Just kind of, mm-hmm. I know. It's so wonderful to see somebody put that much effort into it. Yeah. Yeah. A mm-hmm. film like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd
0: say that, like, probably most films have that much effort put into it. Well, yeah, it, with Hope at least. You'd think. Although.
1: Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And I really want to see, I mean, this is a, an aside. But all these creatures, Andy, do yeah. you have any idea about how we're going to be able to see this? Because no. you, you lucky Khan attendee, <laughs> have already seen it. But yeah. The rest of us
1: plebs.
2: Well, just just in case listeners didn't know, I went to uh, uh, <laughs> the, um I think it's screened at MIF in one of the shorts. Yeah. It's, yeah, but I would love to have an opportunity yeah. to see you. Andy. It's 15 make minutes, that really happen.
1: well spent. Okay. I'll see. I'll have worked some. Okay. F- of the podcast, Charles Williams, and I'll see. You. <laughs> <laughs> you can slip us a screener or we can put it on it somewhere. It'll probably turn up in Acme or on repeat for a day. At Federation Square or something like that. I hope so. we do live in Melbourne. These things kind of happen mm. sometimes. Mm. Um, other films that I should give a quick mention to: In Like Flynn was quite enjoyable. This um, biopic of about Earl Flynn. Flynn's oh, life before cool. he became famous. Our Earl, our Earl, yeah. Got a blinder of a review in the Hollywood Reporter that I think was a bit um, too kind, but it's still very good. It's very, it's really interesting. It's some extremely handsome men together on a boat going up to the Papua New Guinea to find gold, which is based on. Uh, Errol Flynn's own book, If a biopic
0: about Errol Flynn didn't have any handsome men in it, I'd be very disappointed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it does play his um, wicked, wicked ways down quite a lot. He just like I know, guess it would though. There's not
0: if you were trying to sell a guy, you wouldn't mm. really tell the whole story, would you?
1: No, you probably tell not. The no, it is. Yeah, it's a bit kid gloves. I was expecting mm. it to be a bit <laughs> a bit rougher, but it is beautifully done. Yeah, there's some really great, nice performances. Um, and also Watch the Sunrise, even though it's an extremely violent movie, was done in one take and it's 83 minutes. Oh, stunning. Shot in Kerrang. Okay. This uh, It's against the ice epidemic. Um, so it's kind of brutal and it's very sweary, but it is kind of incredibly well pro- produced, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Apparently it was for like five, five days they did it all. But...
0: Sounds up my alley, that mm. one. Cool. Yeah, What's that what one what called? Saying.
1: That's called Watch the Sunrise, Watch the made Lights. by a bunch of VCA friends. A lot of recurring names in the credits. Yeah, that was a so standard. Also, um, The Merger is quite nice, which I've written about for ACTA, um, as a sort of a refugee comedy it's set in Wagga. Uh, and <laughs> it is, it's a, like the premise is like an, a, a, an AF, oh, a local footy team is falling apart, and the only way they get yes. funding is to bring in some.
2: It, it got really great, uh, a really great word of mouth at Myth. Uh, yeah. And um, I, I still haven't seen it, but I would love to. It, is it out in general release at the moment? It's
1: on the. On the I think it's next week. If it's not this week, okay. yeah, it's very okay. soon. Yeah. It aims for Castle, the Castle type level of like Aussie l- l- poking fun at your own culture sort of humour that doesn't quite hit the mark as much but it's it's worth a look, it's a sweet thing you can take your family to and mm, um, yeah. and actually the castle gets a, sh- a shout out to in the um, film The Flipside, which is the Eddie Izzard starring movie about, set in Adelaide in which Eddie Izzard plays a handsome a famous actor who comes back to visit the woman he had a fling with five years ago
2: have a guest who called here today, Henry Salbert Hi Well you must have made a very good impression
1: Back the truck up. It's coming to Adelaide. Screening of his new film.
2: So I don't act, I just, I just be.
1: (laughs) You invited the man who smashed your heart to smithereens for a pyjama party. Did you sleep well? It's a sex bruise.
0: (laughs) Oh, so you told Jeff about him? No, why would I do that?
1: Ronnie, be careful. Don't be so dramatic, Sam. It's
0: fine. I think I was in Britain on a holiday with my family when I was 13 and I saw Eddie Izzard doing stand-up on television. Oh, yeah, right. And I had such a crush on him. Yeah. Just, I, I'd never seen him before and I was like, who is this man wearing high heels and lipstick and, you know. Is it the one where
1: he does the entire show in French again that you've just seen him do?
0: I don't know. I just have like snippets of memory but from you know then I just had this insane crush on him. So this will be a really interesting film for me. Yeah, it see,
1: is. It is. It is quite strange. It's like because he's
0: he's shifting his persona, isn't he?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's pushing yeah. more into the straight acting. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so it's it's weird because it's marketed as a romantic comedy, but I I the producer Sue Murray introduced the film at Cinema Nova, and she was like upfront. It's been marketed as a romantic comedy. It's a romantic drama. It's mm. not, and she's right. It's not that funny, but it is kind of sweet, and it does work. And you know, you do kind of leave with a smile on your face, sort of thing. Mm.
2: Mm. Yeah. Oh yes, uh, the poster. <laughs> it very much looks like a comedy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah There's a there's a sign, oh, a street yeah. sign with like Hollywood left, Adelaide right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, totally. no, there's no Hollywood in this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great. Well, that sounds fantastic. Andy. Yeah, yeah. So it's been it's been and that's a, why Anders okay. and I were commenting that we haven't seen you in two weeks, and that's why. Yeah. You've why been I haven't so been out of It's immersed
2: in Australian cinema. Yeah. Yeah, I've been saying
1: ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cinema Ten and, <laughs> and over and over and over again. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm kind of like the um like a pre-myth ad. Now. But like in 3D, where you just have to see me before every I and you
0: give really great hugs. Oh, thank so. you, but I don't give exactly. them to any actor members.
2: You're uh, you're the the angel in the movie. Uh, turn <laughs> yeah. off your phone. Oh god, Is that you?
1: no. Do you have a feather boa? I could, I, I would, I should actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do feel I need to do something special for these actor members because yeah. it's the same faces coming back to pretty much every screening. Right, we're right, very right. tired of hearing these. Introduce myself as a <laughs> film festival host.
2: So uh, this actor festival, how long does it play uh, this here This finishes
1: and all? Um, on Wednesday okay. um, with Boy Erased. And oh, yes. then it tra- I think it travels to other cities. It's got smaller runs in different places. So all the actor members can see all the films.
0: Great. And hopefully the um, other people who are not actor members can see the films if they get a release. Or Yes. Something. Well, this so, is the know, thing. Let's, Let's keep our fingers crossed for that.
1: Yeah. yeah some of them, are, a lot of them are still battling for distribution at yeah. the moment. Yeah. So it does depend on what gets voted.
0: Yeah, well, distribute Australian films, y'all.
3: Yeah. Last stop. Lewis? I'm your Uncle Jonathan.
1: Are you wearing a robe?
3: It's a kimono. Here we
2: are. Home, sweet home. You're Lewis, I presume. How was your
3: trip? This old hag
2: is my neighbour.
3: I'm relieved to see you didn't inherit your uncle's freakishly oversized head. My
2: God, did that withered purple skeleton just speak? You'll see it's quite different here.
1: Eli Roth's The House with a Clock in Its Walls is an adaptation of John Belair's 1973 young adult horror novel of the same name. In the opening scenes, we're introduced to 10-year-old Louis Barnevelt, played by Owen Vaccaro, who arrives in the town of Newsebedee, Michigan, shortly after his parents die in a car accident. It's 1955, so you have a very familiar small-town Americana setting, which makes Jack Black's Uncle Jonathan, who meets Louis off the bus wearing a kimono and a cowboy hat, all the more striking. Uncle Jonathan takes Louis back to the rambling mansion he inherited from his friend Izzard, played by Carl McLaughlin, who died in mysterious circumstances a year earlier. Living next door is the equally kooky Florence Zimmerman, played by Kate Blanchett, who also seems to have a curious relationship with the house that Lewis will call home. Unsurprisingly, the house turns out to have a clock on its walls, and a lot of other unsettling qualities besides. By day, Lewis tries to make a new friend with a boy from school called Tarby. In the evenings, he learns more about the house and its powers, and at night time, the ghost of his mother visits him in his dreams. Director Eli Roth pretty much single-handedly took the genre of torture porn mainstream in his Hostel series of films, and his filmography does not feature much in the way of warmth, tenderness or empathy, which makes him an odd choice to helm this kid's film. One thing that torture porn is not known for is its interest in the emotional backstory of its characters, and this is the weakest aspect here. As a ten-year-old orphan in a totally unfamiliar environment, Lewis should be a tempest of grief, uncertainty and emotional fragility, but these aspects are barely referenced at all, and in a film about magic, fear and finding your feet in a new town, this seems like a missed opportunity to give weight to what is a pretty flimsy story. Jack Black is usually at his best when acting alongside kids, and films like School of Rock and Bernie show how well he can juggle pathos and comedy. Lines like, Death has been good to him, are thrown away as an afterthought in the rush to get to the next unscary scene. Black and Blanchette are vamping and gurning to get the most out of pretty thin material and to ultimately little effect, which makes this a rare misstep for Kate. Owen Vaccaro, who plays Lewis, feels miscast, and Carl McLaughlin is given very little to do. The best thing about the house with the clock in its walls is John Hutman's art direction. He and the set designers have really gone to town to make the house a wonderfully rich environment, which is fitting as this is a film made by Steven Spielberg's production company Amblin, who have formed blending fantasy in mid-20th century USA. Eli Roth was apparently told by Spielberg that he should scare some kids with this film, and so Roth goes for a sort of trashy Stephen King slash Rob Zombie kind of sick carnival sideshow type of horror, which is very specifically American. And while that will work for some kids, it didn't seem to work for anyone at my screening. John Belair's book is probably a good story, and in the hands of someone like Guillermo del Toro, who would have been coming at this off the back of his underrated gothic horror film Crimson Peak, it might have turned into a good film. But this is not, unfortunately, a good film. It's the first of 12 books featuring Lewis, and I can't imagine this will be successful enough to necessitate another 11. That's a lot of clocks.
3: Well, what constitutes a lot is really a matter of personal taste. For me, it's a perfect amount of clocks.
2: Oh, sorry, there's a deranged cuckoo in there.
3: Your ratchet, Will, shot, and the click spring's not far behind.
1: Hello. You're Lewis, I presume.
3: How was your trip?
1: This old hag is my next-door neighbor, Mrs. Florence Zimmerman.
3: I'm relieved to see you didn't inherit your uncle's freakishly oversized head. Huh.
2: Says the woman who literally looks like a Q-tip. Oh, look. The giant head is angry. My god, did that withered purple skeleton just speak? She thinks she's smarter than me because she's got more college degrees. No, I think I'm smarter than you because I'm smarter than you.
1: And that brings us to the end of episode fifty-three. Thank you very much for listening. You can get some extra thanks from us by throwing some stars our way on iTunes. That'll be great. You can follow us on Facebook at Cultural Capital Podcast. We're on Twitter at the Cult Cap Pod, and you can find me at Andy Ricky.
2: I'm at Anders Furs,
0: and I'm at Eloise Low Ross.
1: And we think of it.